All right, ladies and gents, we're back. This is the Detroiter covering sports in the Motor City and the Men's State, presented by the Second String and the SecondString.com. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. I appreciate everybody listening, everybody who's here today. Hopefully, you're having a wonderful morning, wonderful afternoon, better evening, whatever you're listening, wherever you're listening. To be honest with you, first time in a long ass time that I've sat down to record one of these, and there's not a ton on my mind. There's not a ton of Detroit stuff that I'm like chomping at the bit to talk about. I don't know. I mean, football season, we're kind of at the end of the line. We're just waiting for this Super Bowl hockey season. We had the all-star break. We've had it for the last like almost week now. Um, Baseball locked out. And then the Pistons are the Pistons. Like very, very, very limited stuff to talk about. The only things I can think, Pistons at the trade deadline, feels like every single day oh jeremy grant they're inquiring this team's inquiring that team's inquiring they've offered a package jeremy grant feels like every fucking day that happens nothing actually ever happens so again tough for me to get super jazzed about it um also last year i feel like it's been since last year is it jeremy grant the lakers looking at jeremy grant the celtics jeremy grant the Knicks, Jeremy Grant, and it just nothing happens. Nothing ever happens. And even if it did, you know, no offense, but this is going to be offensive. It's Jeremy Grant. Like, what? I'm not expecting to get a King's Ransom. I don't think, I mean, are you? I would hope not. Um, I'm not, like, even if they did deal Jeremy Grant tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, we get, like, A first from a team that's going to make the playoffs. So fucking garbage, pretty much like there's nothing that exciting. I know, I know Cade and uh, Ashton, the trainer have kind of gone crazy or all Cade, not so much. I guess Ashton, the trainer going nutty on Twitter about getting Cade help. I don't know. That's the other thing too. Like NBA, I feel like trade deadline season is so driven on hypotheticals. Like, Oh, what if, what if the Celtics did this guy in a pick for that guy? Or what if the Lakers, they offered that, like, it's all, oh, there's this, this could work, the money. It's like its own niche of sports fandom, to be honest with you. I feel like there's NBA fans, and of course, a lot of crossover, but I almost feel like there's NBA fans. And then in another, like, niche category of sports fan, it's just NBA hypothetical trade fans. Honest to God, like, I swear that that exists. Yes, a lot of those NBA fans are the same people who care about the NBA hypotheticals and vice versa. But I swear there is a large contingency of NBA people who like, I don't know how much they actually watch the NBA or I don't know how much they care about their team or which team's winning as much as they care about, Oh, what if they gave this guy a max deal and then a pick swap, and then they traded them. They signed and trade. Like, they're just obsessed with players moving. They're obsessed with the this league aspect of the NBA, which guys sign new places every summer. Superstars are traded every trade deadline. Three first-round picks, and it's a deal. Ben Simmons and James Harden. Like, all the drama, all of the hypotheticals, everything about the NBA surrounding the NBA and the news of the league that doesn't actually have to do with the sport itself and the games that are played. I swear it's like no other league. And granted, I think the NBA is the most unique in that way. Like superstars switch teams all the time. 
these guys free agents. It's like not even remotely a guarantee you get to resign your free agents. I've talked about that with Kate already. Like I'm kind of nervous. He's already had conversations with his camp. Like, dude, we should fucking let's go play for the Knicks, dude. We don't need to play. Detroit stinks, not the city. The organization stinks. They're not getting better. These guys are bums. Let's go play for the Knicks. Like, I'm worried Cade's already had that conversation. And I think that is for sure the most prevalent in the NBA where it's like, I'm 22. I'm fucking sick at basketball. I'm going to make 30 mil a year. Do I want to make that 30 mil a year in Milwaukee or do I want to make it in Miami, Florida? Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I think I'll go to Miami. It's more prevalent in the NBA than any of the other three leagues. And I'm already starting to think about that with Cade, or I've thought about it. I should say, I don't think about it. But I swear there's like a niche fan base in the NBA where it's people who are just fans of trade deadline, who are just fan of fans of hypothetical trades, who are just fans of what if we gave up this, this, and this, and they gave us this and this back. It's fucking wild. Cause I swear, dude, all the all the Pistons people I follow, anybody interested in the Pistons that I follow on my account, like, yeah, we'll get some like I'll see some tweets. We'll get some stuff about man, Cade's awesome. Man, Cade's this, Cade's that, which is sweet. Love to see it. That's like how I follow the Pistons is, oh, Cade had a good game tonight. Nice. Oh, Sadiq went for this and this. Nice, dude. That's It's how I keep track of the Pistons because God knows I'm not watching them. But I swear, like over half the tweets, over half the shit I see from the NBA people that I do follow, it's like, wait, what if we gave up this guy and this guy and we got Mitchell Robinson from New York? Like just hypothetical shit where I'm like, oh, that's – what about the games though? Or like, what about, what about guys that the Pistons actually have instead of just made up 2k fucking trades that probably won't happen. That's I, it's weird. It's crazy to me. And being someone who doesn't really follow the NBA, I think that's why I am like, damn, that's strange how half the shit I see about Jeremy Grant is just trades and none of them ever come to fruition. Like I swear to God, I've been reading Jeremy Grant, like Sacramento's looking to put together Marvin Bagley deal for Jeremy Grant. The New York Knicks may be interested in Jeremy Grant. I swear to God, I read shit about Jeremy Grant an X team that's interested in X players that they're interested to give up to acquire Jeremy Grant and what the Pistons would have to give to, to make the deal happen and whether or not Troy Weaver is entertaining the discussion. I swear to God, the last like two weeks, three weeks, even it's like once a day, there's something Jeremy Grant and nothing's going to happen. Nothing ever does happen. Like it's mind boggling to me. That's like the storyline with the Pistons right now. The biggest storyline in the NBA, obviously being, I think Harden Simmons, it's like our Philly and Brooklyn trying to make a deal. And again, even then, it's like, that's cool. That I, I see the value in that. I see the excitement because those are, I don't know if I want to call Ben Simmons a superstar, but those are two very, very high-end players switching teams. Two cornerstone pieces of their respective franchise getting flipped mid-year in which both teams are trying to make a playoff run. I get that. I get people tweeting and salivating and podcasting over that. I understand. That's That's like a sexy transaction. That sells pay-per-views. That sells tickets. That puts asses in seats in both Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and on ESPN. Jeremy Grant going to the Sacramento Kings. That's putting asses in seats. Bro, I don't fucking care. 
if Jeremy Grant gets traded. I like it's a problem with me, dude. It's a problem with me. Like I'd love to be I'd love to be here right now like holy shit. What if we got Bagley and a second round pick back? Like how crazy would that be? It'd be like the Pistons, you know, you, you signed Jeremy Grant 2 years ago, you flip him for a first and Bagley. Oh man, it'd be so good. I'd love to come here with that energy, but I'm sitting here like, hey, I've been reading about Jeremy Grant getting traded for weeks. Nothing fucking happens. And B, oh, great. We traded Jeremy Grant for Marvin Bagley. And? Okay. I, I'm okay. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to roll out a fucking parade for that. Like, dude, cool. I don't keep fucking care. <laughs> It blows my mind. Like, I don't understand how the Pistons, I mean, it's just a dedication to the game. It's all true love for the game, but the Pistons fans on my feet, it's like, Oh, Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant. And I'll go live on TikTok or, or on some of my videos. I'll have people comment. Oh, what are your thoughts on the Jeremy Grant rumors? What should the Pistons do with Jeremy Grant? You think Jeremy Grant and Sacramento, like you think that makes sense? And I'm sitting there like first, like, I don't know, dude, like I don't pay anywhere near enough attention um but be like yeah i guess like sure trade jeremy grant sure dude sure give him the sacramento sure we'll take marvin bagley like i remember when he was at duke he had a lot of hype sure let's rejuvenate his career no one succeeds in sacramento granted nobody really succeeds in detroit since 2008 but yeah sure let's bring marvin bagley here for jeremy grant i don't have a problem with that why not What's the worst that could happen? We're, we're still the fucking Pistons. Okay, great. We're going to be the Pistons anyway. That's kind of how I feel about it. So I have the respect and I admire the people that are all jazzed up and like, holy shit, is something going to happen? Is Jeremy Grant going to get dealt? But the, the Pistons aren't making anywhere near of a high leverage offer. Like it's not Ben Simmons and James Harden. If we had a Ben Simmons and James Harden situation on our hands in Detroit, I'd be balls deep in that. Like, I'd be looking into that. I'd be fucking on the, what is it, the NBA trade machine, figuring out who who has the money to make it work. I'd be looking at the the Pistons lineup like, okay, we need shooting, we need a big. Like, I'd be looking at that. I'd be making TikToks about that. Jeremy Grant? Trading an everything bagel for an Asiago cheese bagel. Like, all right, great. It's a bagel. I mean, give me cream cheese. I'll be pretty happy with either. I don't, you know. I'm not trading in a bagel for a baker's dozen. I'm not trading in for a bagel for an unbelievable bagel sandwich with salmon, smoked salmon on it. Like it's a bagel with cream cheese with a bagel with cream cheese. All right. You know, maybe it's one's a little bit better. I, they're pretty much the same though. Dealer's choice. Like I don't, I'm not jazzed up about Jeremy Grant trade possibilities. I just can't be. And this is a big time of year in the sports calendar. You look at it football, unless you're a Bengals or a Rams fan, over NHL all-star break baseball, nothing basketball. It's trade deadline season. And if you're a fan of the second worst team in the national basketball association, a team that I'll, and I'll quote Bill Simmons saying this for the rest of my fucking life, Bill Simmons. I think it was two years ago on one of his podcasts. I listened to him and he said it. How are you the Detroit Pistons? How are you literally irrelevant? for the last 12 years. And this was before we had Cade. How are you literally irrelevant for the last 12 years? And you have zero assets. 
How is that possible? Yes, we have Cade now. Yes, I would say Jeremy Grant is an asset. But, and we have others. Sadiq Bey, I would say, is an asset. Stewart, probably an asset. Killian, depending who you talk to. Sure, things have improved in the last two years, no doubt. But Jeremy Grant, again, that's not Ben Simmons. That's not the former MVP, James Harden. That's not Brooklyn when they came together like, holy shit, how are these guys going to ever lose a game? And now KD's hurt. Kyrie, God knows what he does on a day-to-day basis. Harden's overweight, doesn't try, doesn't care, doesn't seem like he wants to be there from everything I read and see in the league. That's kind of a crazy story. Like, we thought it was the fucking Avengers of the NBA, and now it's ah, the dysfunctional Avengers. What's the what's the antithesis of the Avengers? The fucking Lazy Avengers? Lazy Avengers? What's a good word? There's got to be something out there. The Avengers? The Couch Potatoes? No, because Katie's, I don't know, the Dysfunctioners? Something like that. Like, they've gone from a team where it was like, wow, that seems unfair that the NBA will even allow that team to form to, Jesus Christ, these guys are fucking terrible. And how? How are they bad? How how has it gotten to this point? There's some juice there. There's some excitement. Jeremy Grant in a deal with the Sacramento Kings with Marvin Bagley, who also has kind of been a flop since he came into the league. Okay. I mean, sure, like – I, I I honestly don't know. The only thing I do know when it comes to Jeremy Grant trade possibilities, and the only one, to be honest with you, that I've consistently heard is Marvin Bagley in Sacramento. And I have seen some stuff, I think today, maybe yesterday, Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks potentially, which I don't know what that's doing for anybody, but I digress. It'd be cool. Like Bagley, all right, highly touted guy out of college, um, still probably like has a ton of upside again. Can't say, can't say I've watched Marvin Bagley since he was at Duke. Cause I fucking haven't, but I don't hate the idea. Like, yeah, let's bring Marvin Bagley in. Let's rejuvenate him. Let's see if we can't tap into the guy that got taken at second overall. And it's fresh blood. It's someone new. It's a big for Cade to work off of. And that is the one reason I would be happy in getting rid of Jeremy Grant from what I've read. And from the Pistons accounts and people I follow, it seems this year before Jeremy Grant hurt was hurt and he just came back from injury, he was a, a big late game shooter. It was, oh, two minutes left? Take it, Jeremy. You, go. It was a big, like, this guy is kind of stealing Cade's thunder. And I don't know if it was by design. Dwayne Casey wanted Jeremy to be the late game closer, or if Jeremy was like, this is the reason I'm on the Pistons is to take these shots. I don't know if it's a personal, I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but I've read a lot about that this year. I've read a lot of Jeremy Grant's taking shots that Cade Cunningham should be taken. Jeremy Grant has the ball in his hands at the end of the game when our first overall pick should. Cade Cunningham, the Pistons have been much better late in games closing out games while Jeremy Grant's been injured. Like I've read a lot of shit like that where it's like, oh, maybe all of a sudden as great as Jeremy Grant was last year, and I don't even know what kind of stats he's put up this year. I do know the Pistons are fucking atrocious, so it can't be that great. As great as Grant may have been last year, I do know and I have read enough stuff that it seems like he's kind of taken away from the reason we got Cade. He's doing, he's trying to do Cade's job. But the the thing is, he's not Cade. He's not Cade Cunningham. He's not the guy we took at first overall. But he, he's taking the responsibilities of it, which won't fly because, A, 
you're losing games. So there's that. And B, there's a fucking reason we took Cade Cunningham. And again, I don't know if it was Dwayne Casey being like, sorry, Cade, you're too young. We'll let you hang back. Like you'll take these shots eventually, but for now, let Jeremy, I don't know whose idea or why the fuck it's happening. All I know is give the ball to the first overall pick. Give the ball. I don't care if he's 19. Give the ball to the guy who feels like he's been in the NBA for 10 years. Give the ball to the guy who was literally born to take shots in the fourth quarter. Give it to the guy who seems like the most clutch, poised human being on the planet, let alone in the game of basketball. More poised than Marty Bird, dude. Give it to Cade. Like, Jeremy, I know you signed here so you could be the man, so you could be the first option, so you could take the shots, so you could be the closer. I get it. You had your chance last year. Like, that was your role last year. Now we got Cade Cunningham. Like, things have changed. I don't know what to tell you. That's just the way it is. So the Pistons deal them great. If they don't, great. I don't think it really matters. This team isn't good regardless. The only reason I have an opinion at all is I'd prefer him to be gone if this is, in fact, happening, and it has been happening this season where Jeremy Grant's taking Cade's late-game reps. Like, I don't give a fuck who you are, bro. I don't give a fuck. Unless it's Kevin Durant or Giannis or LeBron or Steph Curry or, like, uh, one of these bona fide superstars. Cade Cunningham should have the ball in his hands every single time we absolutely need a basket. Every single time the Detroit Pistons are in crunch time, Cade Cunningham should have the ball. I don't give a fuck who you are outside of like 15 players in the NBA and certainly not Jeremy Grant. So if it takes shipping off Jeremy Grant to Sacramento and trying to revitalize Bagley's career. Okay, cool. So I think it's going to save the Pistons. So I think it's going to change the trajectory of the franchise. Am I waking up every day? Like, Oh wow. What if we made that deal for Jeremy Grant and Bagley? Whoa, that'd be crazy. Am I thinking about that? Fuck no. Is it relevant? Kind of, because nothing else is going on. He's the only trading chip the Pistons seem to have that other teams want. And I don't know. I don't talk about the Pistons much. This is trade deadline season. So I guess there are my thoughts on Jeremy Grant. I get that comment a lot. I go live and it's Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant. I'm like, dude, I haven't really, can't say I've really thought about it. I hardly think about the Pistons. And when I do, it's like, damn, that's cool that Cade Cunningham's awesome. It certainly isn't, what the fuck should we do with Jeremy Grant? That is the least of my concerns. But you want to know my thoughts? There are my thoughts. All right, we'll take a quick break. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about Matthew Stafford in the Super Bowl. I know we talked a little bit, it was either last week or the week before I did an episode on it. I don't know. It's Super Bowl week. Um, I think I'm going to do, we'll see. I'll either do this episode and one other this week. I'm not certain, but it's Super Bowl week. Stafford's finally fucking here. I want to talk about it. I just want to, maybe 10 minutes. This is going to be a shorter episode because like I said, not much going on. MSU got their ass kicked by Rutgers. I didn't watch the game a ton. I watched maybe, I'd say like 15 of the 40 minutes. I was out on the town. I was out and about. Didn't really have a chance to watch the game, and I'm glad I didn't because it was a fucking ass kicking. Um, I caught like the second half. I caught most of the second half, and it was, I mean, they were lifeless. They were a, a blood, a bloody pulp corpse. They were the headless horsemen, except not riding on a horse. They were they were an amoeba of a basketball team. I mean, it was pathetic. They got their asses kicked. 
what I did watch wasn't fun to watch. I'm glad I didn't like plan my day around it. I'm glad I wasn't sat in front of a TV, like ready to lock in. I'm glad I was doing other things. I'm glad I had 50 beers flowing down my gullet to distract me. They got their ass kicked. I don't know what else there is to say. Like I just, state's just not that good. That's, that's really what it comes down to. They're just not that good. They're pretty good. They're not that good though. They're not going to make a final four. They turned the ball over an ungodly amount and we're how many games in now? 25, something like that. We're fucking far into the season. They still turn it over just an insane amount, like a shocking, a shocking number of turnovers. We got a lot of guys that either can't or refuse to shoot. AJ Hogard, both. Tyson Walker can shoot, actually. One of the better shooters on the team refuses to, though. They just leave him open. Teams for for weeks now go under every single pick that's set on Tyson Walker's guy. He just won't shoot. They let him shoot. They dare him to shoot. They go three feet under the screen and they're like, bro, you're a division one point guard. Like, are you going to at MSU? Are you going to shoot that? And he's like, no, I'm good. Gabe Brown. He struggled. He found it a little bit. I don't know. Max Christie has struggled. Like he's kind of been disappointed. I know he's had a pretty good season statistically. I still feel like he's been a little disappointing this year. Like I feel like he should be able to dominates a strong word, but I feel like he should be able to take charge more often than he doesn't more often than he does. I feel like he should be able to get the ball and say, okay, I'm going to just go score or I'm going to go to the lane and kick it to a wide open three. I feel like he should be able to do that much more frequently than he does. He suffers from a little of the same thing Tyson Walker does in that it's not aggressive. Like doesn't seem like he really wants the ball. Like seems like he's totally fine. Just being a catch and shoot guy when it's like, bro, you're six foot six. Your fucking legs are longer than my entire body. You can get to the rim in two steps. You're explosive. You're lengthy. Like, you're an NBA player playing against kids in college. Like you're an NBA guy going against a kid who better make it to calculus tomorrow, because if he fails calculus, it's going to be tough to get that engineering degree. And he fucking needs that engineering degree. Like that's what we're working with. And yet he still doesn't seem that interested in asserting himself, which bothers me. Um, Maybe it's cause I'm a five foot 10 vertically challenged white kid. Like I just not that good at basketball. I can shoot the lights out of the gym for sure, but I've never been the guy who I'm not at the rim in two steps. I'm not extending and flushing one on a defender's head. I'm just not a basketball frame. I'm a sit in the pocket and deliver a strike quarterback frame. I'm a get to the mound, paint 80 on the black, and then a devastating off-speed rotation of a of a curveball of a changeup, little bit of a slider. That's more my speed. I'm not a two guard in the Big Ten Conference. That's not me. So when I watch guys that are 6'6", that are like clearly, clearly better against their competition and they just refuse to acknowledge it or refuse to take advantage of the fact that, oh, wait, I am a fucking NBA guy and this dude is going to be a math teacher someday. It bothers me because I'm like pulling my hair out like, bro, do you not realize that you're going to play in the NBA? Like, I don't get it. Do you not live in your body? Do you not have your conscience? Do you not feel yourself in practice? Like, 
Max Christie, you should be able you should be able to dominate games, but at the very least, you should be able to get yours every single night. And he's kind of struggled. The front court with Bingham, Marble, Hauser, they've been up and down. Hauser's been better lately. Bingham's been down. Marble's been down. I don't know what their deal is. Gabe Brown, like I said, he's better against Rutgers, but he was struggling before that. Um, Akins, I would like to get more time. Like, I don't know. I don't know, dude. The problem with State is it feels like, and especially after last year certainly supported this hypothesis, it feels like State and and these Tom Izzo teams, it really feels like they're driven by elite point guard play. And you look back throughout Tom Izzo's career and throughout MSU's teams and the great teams especially, what's the common denominator? Sick point guards on fucking all of them. I mean, you look at Michigan State basketball in general, the history, the Tom Izzo era. How many teams has he had where they don't have a lights-out point guard? Or or better yet, how many teams has he had where they don't have a lights-out point guard on the roster? Because even there was that year, I think it was 2015 or 16 with Tum Tum running the show. Cassius was still on the team, though. He started to come on later in the year, but Tom Izzo didn't totally trust him. He probably couldn't play defense at that level. But, like, Cassius was on that roster, right? Denzel was elite. Obviously, Cassius was elite. Kalen Lucas, fucking Corey Lucius, Mateen, obviously. Keith Applin, like, the list goes on. Every single year, it feels like in every single time we get one of these MSU teams where it's like, oh, shit, these guys are the real deal. They have a point guard. You look at last year, the first time State's been, I mean, they made the tournament, so I don't know if bad's the right word, but for MSU standards, yeah, they were bad. The first time they've been average in the grand scheme, nearly missed the tournament, they didn't have a point guard. Who was it? A.J. Hogart and Foster Lawyer? (laughs) Rocket Watts? I'm going to throw up. They didn't have point guard play. And now you look at it again this year, A.J. Hogart is literally fucking addicted to dribbling the ball into areas he won't be able to make a play. He had a play against Rutgers, if you guys remember. In the second half, there was a play against Rutgers where he sprints down the floor. It may have been off a make even. He sprints down the floor and sprints into the baseline and just goes out of bounds. He sprints into the baseline and tries to like jump and turn in air and throw the pass back in, and he just went out of bounds. And it was like... uh, uh. Uh, do, do, are, uh, do you fucking have eyeballs? Are you, are you paying attention? Can you see the paint on the floor? Like, can you, do you know out of bounds is there? Like what, what are you thinking doing that? I don't know if people remember that play. I feel like they should. Cause I remember when it happened, I was like, I was sitting there like, wait, what, what just happened? There's no way he just did what I think he did. It was like you were playing 2K. You know how 2K, sometimes you hit that animation where your guy just sprints out of bounds and you're like, what the fuck was that? Because usually there's the little bit of a force field that keeps you inbounds. But when it breaks, you're like, what the fuck? It's like A.J. Hogar just sprinted out of bounds. And that's it. That's like that was his plan. He was running down the floor like, yeah, this is I'm gonna sprint at the baseline as fast as I can with no clue, no plan, no idea of what where this basketball's going. And we'll see what happens. Like, that was the plan, AJ. That was the pl- bro. You're you're the you're the point guard. 
Like you play for Michigan State, dude. This isn't fucking pickup with your buddies in middle school. It's mind boggling. So between that and the fact that he can't shoot, which is a problem. Anytime you have a point guard that can't shoot, that's a fucking problem. It's a problem in high school, let alone college, let alone the pros. Between that and the fact that Tyson Walker, he's explosive. I think he makes better decisions with the ball, although he does his fair fair share of stupid shit too. He can shoot the ball too, but his thing is he doesn't want to. They leave him wide open. Pass. They let him go to the rim. Pass. Just no aggressiveness. No aggressiveness. Not interested. Unless you absolutely dare him to, not really interested. Not really interested in taking what the defense gives him. Not really interested in a killer mentality and making defenses pay for going under screens or for giving him a lane. Cassius Winston, bro, if you went under a screen, the ball was in the hoop, or at least he was going to try. You gave him a little bit of a of space to the lane. Okay, he's there. He's getting fouled. He's making a pass, or he's laying it up. Like, how are you a D1 athlete at any level? Big 10, wherever the conference he came from, Northeastern or whatever. How are you a D1 athlete, let alone the fucking point guard at Michigan State, a school that we just went over is driven by excellent point guard play. And I'm sure Tom Izzo is in his ear like, dude, fucking take over. You're the point guard. Do it. I brought you here for a reason. And you just refuse to like take what the defense gives you. You refuse to have the mentality of, oh, I'm going to make them pay. Like how, how, how are you so weak-minded? How are you so passive? It drives me nuts. And that ultimately is the problem with MSU. They have too many just okay guys. It's been Malik Hall, Gabe Brown, and then a bunch of eh, a bunch of up and down. They don't have the elite point guard play. They can't fix the turnover problem. And you lose the teams like Rutgers on the road. That's what happens. They're just not that good, unfortunately. Quick break. We'll talk Stafford. Staffy's in the big game. I don't know what to say, to be honest. I'm not here to break down the game. I'm not here to tell you why the Rams are going to win or why the Bengals might win. I think it's going to be an awesome game. I like both teams. The Bengals are sweet. Joe Burrow's fucking sweet. Jamar Chase is sweet. There are a lot of ways. Them, the Browns, the Dolphins, and the Lions, it's always kind of felt like we're all like sister programs of each other, though the main difference being the Dolphins, the Browns, and now the Bengals have actually had success at some point in their franchises. Um, Detroit, no. Uh, Detroit, no. Not since the Super Bowl was invented, at least. So that makes 56, 56 years, 55 years, something, whatever Super Bowl this is. No. Um, no success there, no. Um, not the team I root for, no. No, not the Detroit Lions. No, they're, they, they, no, no success. But in a lot of ways, Bengals have been tortured. Browns have been tortured. Dolphins have been tortured. So for that reason, I am, I I do like the Bengals. And part of me is kind of like, oh, it'd be nice to see the Bengals win, right? Of course it would be. A team that suffered, a fan base that suffered. It's always felt too, like they had those years with Andy Dalton and AJ Green where they were good every year, where they made the playoffs every year, and they just lost and lost and lost, where it was like, that's, I mean, it's one thing to be us, to be the Lions, and to just never really sniff it. 
it's another thing to to historically be pretty bad, but then you get there five years, six years in a row, was it, and lose every single time. Like that, the success and then failure takes a different level of toll than just the all-out failure. And the Detroit Lions have been doing all-out failure for 60 years now. So in a way, I understand. Like I, I get the Bengals thing. I do think the Bengals are cool. The people that root for, that are rooting for the Bengals outside of Cincinnati, I get it, dude. I fucking understand. Joe Burrow is the absolute man. Like I, I swear to God, I don't think there's a hotter guy in sports. And I'm not not, not sexually hotter. Um, good looking guy though. Great looking guy. I'll, I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm secure. But I meant there's no one hotter as in like a hot streak. Like this dude's life could not be going. The only thing I think that could get better is if they announce Joe Burrow's going to play the next Spider-Man, like honest to God, or Joe Burrow's going to play the next 007. This dude's life for real could not be going in a better direction. It doesn't feel like it could at least. Like, let's look at it. He had the tough thing, Ohio State. Oh, you're not quite good enough there, Joe Burr. Boom. LSU, greatest season, like, ever. Wins the Heisman, wins the Natty. Cincy, oh, at ACL, tough scene. Bam, right back. Cincinnati upsetting the Chiefs on a Cinderella run in the Super Bowl. Everybody loves him. He's got fucking glasses. He's smoking cigars. He's pulling up in, like, mink coats. I can't even... I don't even know what he's about to wear to the Super Bowl, but it's going to be something outrageous. It's going to put the like Vogue magazine. They're not going to stop writing about Joe Burrow for the next month. That's how like high end this shit he pulls out for the Super Bowl will be. This guy really is on the biggest heater of all time. I feel like also not only is his career going about as good as it possibly could be, winning all these games, him playing super well, but – also, like Joe Burrow, I feel like is becoming a little bit of a sex icon. Like chicks are obsessed with this guy. It's like Tim Chalamet. Who's the other skinny guy? Tim Chalamet, Pete Davidson, and Joe Burrow. I feel like maybe throw Jack Harlow in there too. I feel like those are the four like biggest names as far as dudes chicks are obsessed with. That always plays. Everybody loves them. The cigars, like I said. I, sw- I wouldn't be surprised if... I mean, I'm sure he's probably already signed the deal. Like, what's Pat Mahomes doing? State Farm. What the fuck? Rodgers is doing commercials. Baker Mayfield is doing commercials. Baker Mayfield's not even the best QB in the AFC North, and he's pulling in checks from Progressive. Joe Burrow's about to make racks, brother. I don't know who. I don't know what company, but you best believe that dude's about to start pulling in cheddar to put his face and name with a brand. He's on an absolute heater. He's on an absolute heater. He seems like a cool dude. He's a pretty funny guy. He's wearing the sweet chains. Like everything about Joe Burr, he's got a cool nickname. I get it. I really do. And and there's a part of me that I'm rooting for him, but it's Matthew Stafford. It's Staffy. I can't, I can't. I I, I every time I think about Matthew Stafford. And every time I think about just how badly I want him to win, like as much as I love Burrow, I hope the Bengals get beaten by a thousand. 
I hope Matthew Stafford goes for 500 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like I honestly, I don't want it to happen. It sucks that it has to be Joe Burrow in a way. Like I wanted the Bengals to beat the chiefs just cause like I've said, I like the Bengals, but in a weird and sick way, in a gross, twisted fucking grotesque way, I kind of wanted the chiefs to beat the Bengals just so I could go full on. Let's kick the fuck out of the Kansas city chiefs in the super bowl mode. Like I wanted to just go fully there. I wanted to go 100%. I'm in the Rams corner. Let's beat these guys by a trillion. Now that it's the Bengals part of me is like, uh, I don't, I mean, it'd be, you know, it's not the worst team. If the, if the Rams got to lose to someone, I'd prefer it be the Bengals, right? Like that's kind of where I'm at. I'm a little bit like, all right, well, Bengals are pretty cool. Like I still want Stafford to win, but the Bengals are pretty cool. I wish I could just absolutely fucking hate the Bengals. I don't. I'm still riding with Stafford. Guy was a QB for 12 years. 12 years for a franchise that has never, never given anybody a reason to believe in it. Hasn't given me a reason to believe in it. Hasn't given you a reason to believe in it. Sure, Certainly, sure, I couldn't decide. Certainly has never given NFL quarterbacks, or let me rephrase that, certainly has never given a former first overall pick that could go to any team in the league and be their day one starter outside of maybe the Patriots with Brady, outside of maybe the Packers with Rodgers when he signed his last extension in Detroit, could have gone anywhere. Could have said, oh, you know what? Nah, I'm out. I'm leaving Detroit. I'll go back to Dallas. He's a hometown kid. Could have gone anywhere. I'm going to Atlanta. I played college ball there. Anywhere. Stuck around in Detroit. Stuck around and played for and ran out 90%. I mean, we'll see how much longer he plays. Ran out 90% of his career with the Detroit Lions. With a team that has never once shown signs of competency. He knew the talent he had. Dude, when you're when you're as good at something as Matthew Stafford is Stafford is at playing football, you know that you're fucking incredible at it. Like Matthew Stafford doesn't walk around thinking, "Ah, my that like I I could be better." No, he's walking around like, "Yeah, dude. I'm fucking ridiculous at this game." Like he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's got. He's Matthew Stafford. He's not he's not sitting there like oh, I should be grateful the Lions are taking a chance on me. He's like, the Lions should be grateful I'm taking a chance on them. He was a stand-up guy. Played injured. Played in games he shouldn't have played in. Played in games that I wouldn't have played in if I was him. Never opened his mouth about anybody. Never threw anyone under the bus. When year after year after year after year after year after year, he had front offices that let him down. He had coaching staffs that let him down. He had offensive lines that let him down. He had run games that let him down. He had defenses that let him down. Year after year after year after year, never said a bad word about anybody. Never. And as pressure mounted, as more and more people started to go, oh, Matthew Stafford, his record against these teams, he might be the problem. He can't win the big game. He can't beat good teams. As that built and that narrative gained steam because it was only a matter of time. That's the game of football. That's the game of football. The quarterback, it always, to an extent, you get the credit when you win, you get the blame when you lose. Now, 
many people don't seem to understand that there are 21 other players that play a massive, massive factor in whether or not you win or lose football games. People don't understand that he should have had a playoff win in Detroit if Roger Goodell didn't place a phone call to ensure the Cowboys won that game. Um, many people seem to forget the fact that the Detroit Lions are, oh, I don't know, the Detroit fucking Lions. Many people, many people seem to forget the fact that Matthew Stafford had incompetent coaching staffs and front offices more often than not. Matthew Stafford was swimming upstream for the majority of his time in Detroit. Even those Caldwell years, and everybody loves to point back and say, oh, they fired Jim Caldwell and they brought in Patricia and Caldwell took him to the playoffs three times and look at what they did with Caldwell. Caldwell's last year, I think they went 9-7, and seven, made the wild card, lost to Seattle. That last year, I think Matthew Stafford had eight fourth-quarter comeback wins, eight fourth-quarter game-winning drives, like just putting the team on his back. Like, oh, yeah, Jim Caldwell. Yep, he took him there. But, 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 Jim Caldwell had them in a spot to lose eight of those nine games they won, and Matthew Stafford dipped into his bag of tricks and won those games. Like, people love to be revisionist when it comes to Matthew Stafford especially when it comes to what he did in Detroit. And it's comical now. Obviously, he's answered the bell. He's he's proven those narratives wrong. He's proven how stupid people can be and how stupid narratives can be. Like if you were ever, if you watched Detroit for those 12 years, Matthew Stafford was there. Don't get me wrong. He had bad games. Guess who else has had bad games, dude? Tom Brady has had bad games. Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana, everybody on the fucking planet has bad games. It's part of being a human being. Yes, Stafford had bad games, but if you watch the Detroit Lions for those 12 years, you either know for a fact that Matthew Stafford is more than capable of winning football games or or you're buying into a narrative that you know makes no sense or you just don't know what you're talking about because nobody in their right mind that watched Matthew Stafford play in Detroit for those years and then watched any other team in the NFL, nobody in their right mind could compare Stafford to the rest of the league, to the field, and actually honestly say he's uh, he's okay at best. That's just not possible. Like you look at quarterbacks in the NFL – I swear to God, at least half of them are like maybe mediocre at best. Maybe like there's like eight actually good quarterbacks in football, like Jimmy G this year, they were in the conference championship. Like is Jimmy G that great? I'd categorize it like, I don't know, pretty good. Maybe, maybe pretty good. That might even be a little bit generous. Like Derek Carr was in the playoffs. What's he like? Okay pretty good maybe like some of these guys that they won they're in the playoffs they're beating good teams they have a record against 500 teams bro they don't play for the Detroit Lions Joe Burrow as much as I love him like let's not act like him beating the Chiefs was Joe Burrow playing lights out the Chiefs scored three points in the second half the Cincinnati Bengals defense won that game plain and simple that like plain and simple as much as you love Joe Burrow, that's that's the way it is. If Matthew Stafford was quarterbacking that game, people would still say, regardless of them winning, people would be saying, oh, 
he's not that good. He needed his defense to bail him out since Joe Burrow did it. And I'm not saying people should be hating on Joe Burrow and saying, oh, he's not that good. His defense. I'm not saying that should be the case at all. I'm just I'm just referencing the hypocrisy because nobody's running around saying Joe Burrow didn't do shit in that second half. Everyone's like, holy shit, Joe Burrow's here with this team, with this offensive line. Matthew Stafford has faced this double standard, these false narratives, just people in Detroit being fucking idiots, not realizing, I don't know. I don't know if it's their own um, anger and disappointment with the Detroit Lions that they just gear and take out on Matthew Stafford. I don't know if it's just that they're fucking stupid. I don't really know what it is or why it is. But ever since Matthew Stafford was in Detroit, fans have taken it out on him. And as the years went by, more and more people bought into the, he can't get it done, his record against the bad teams. Or I mean, against the good teams. Oh, that's funny. All those games, that record against the 500 teams, all of them in Detroit, that's funny. And Joe Burrow, maybe Cincinnati was bad. For sure they were. For sure Cincinnati was bad. Cincinnati's not Detroit. Cincinnati's not the Detroit Lions. Nothing on the fucking planet. Black holes in outer space aren't the Detroit Lions. The Annabelle doll isn't the Detroit Lions. Nothing exudes darkness and failure and misery and incompetence and disappointment like the Detroit Lions. Nothing. Nothing on the planet, let alone in sports, let alone in football. 12 years, Matthew Stafford willingly dealt with that. Willingly played games he was injured. Willingly took the responsibility, took the blame, never threw anyone under the bus. And now he goes to a team, which by the way, oh, he's he needed a stacked team to do it. Fucking newsflash. Nobody that's ever played in a Super Bowl is bad. You think the Bengals are bad? They're not. Maybe they were bad last year. They aren't this year. Newsflash. Every team that's ever fucking played in the Super Bowl has been good. You remember that Bucks team last year? Talk about a stacked team. What's up? The Rams beat those guys. The Rams beat those guys. Matthew Stafford played out of his mind. And despite his teammates, Cam Akers, doing everything in their power to lose that game, Matthew Stafford won that game. The reason I'm with Stafford, and I can't wait to see my guy get his moment, is he's waited for it for 12 years. Good things come to those who wait. Karma, I believe in. Never opened his mouth. Never said a bad word. Never forced his way out of Detroit when he could have. When Dallas was looking for a QB, never said, all right, trade me. Gave the Lions ample time. And when it was clear the Lions were ready to rebuild with a new regime, and it was clear Stafford's career was waning, and it was clear there were landing spots for him to go with people he liked and wanted to work with and would have a chance to win, he said, you know what? How Can I, please? This helps you guys out. Like It's not like he just up and left. Lions got two first-round picks. It's a great trade for the Lions. It's going to speed up the rebuild. And now Stafford gets his time. Now a guy who who has always had this inside of him, has always been capable of playing at this level and getting to this point, he gets a shot. I think the Rams are going to win on Sunday. I can't wait to watch Matthew Stafford play. I couldn't be happier for a guy who really is like, we talk about Cade, we talk about Dylan Larkin, like we talk about some of these leaders. Matthew Stafford was a guy who – He's who you want leading your team. He is exactly the type of person you want leading your franchise on the field and off in the community. 
he really is that guy. I, I, if he was playing the Lions, I'd be rooting for the Lions, but I, I have faith to Matt, or like I have loyalty in Matthew Stafford. He means something to me. His success means something to me. It'll make me happy seeing him be successful because he deserves it. And because I love rooting for people, I love rooting for people who deserve it. He tried in Detroit. It didn't work. He tried with the most miserable franchise on the fucking planet and it didn't work. Excuse me. If I want to see him win one goddamn time before he retires. All right. Good luck, Staffy. Let's go Rams, Rams house, Ramily. That's all I got today. I might be back Thursday. Might not. I don't know. We might do one episode this week. I mean, there's nothing really happening. There's a state game, and then Jeremy Grant isn't going to get traded. Like, that's the, there's nothing fucking happening. So we'll see. I might do another this week. Maybe not. Appreciate everyone listening. Go check out the secondstring.com. We got the new Rams design up there. It's fire. All kinds of other stuff. Appreciate the support, the sharing, listening, TikTok, blah, blah, blah. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you later.